from the Strange Thing Podcast, and I'm here hiding away in a bunker that I'm digging right now, and uh, I just wanted to do a quick preface before this podcast, just to let you know that uh, I think that Austin and I have unintentionally poked a giant bear in the form of big pharma and special interest groups that uh, don't want this information to get out. Just so you know, we've been experiencing all kinds of delays in trying to get this information to you. Cold, we've had illness, we've had things break inexplicably, and feels like it's some kind of deep, sinister plot. I don't know if it's uh, just things in the visible realm, but maybe it's things in the invisible realm. Maybe this is part of what I like to call the grand conspiracy giant conspiracy to stop truth and knowledge from being disseminated from our humble podcast out into the world so that people will know the truth. I don't know. It could be that I'm just going crazy because of all the cold medicine I've been taking. Maybe it has something to do with that or maybe being sleep deprived or maybe I've gotten too much sleep. I just don't know. But the truth is out there. The truth is here. The truth is in the words that are going to be coming to you next on the podcast that we've tried to record over and over and over again. I've included some of those snippets, but it's still it's so frustrating. And and I feel like the only thing I can do to protect my family and those I care about is to hide so that they can't find me. And that maybe if they can't find me, then maybe the truth will get out there. Maybe our podcast will get done and it will get out there and the information will be there for you guys so you can make wise decisions. Not only wise decisions on what you eat, although that's really important, I can attest to that, but also wise decisions on how you live and how you look at life and the world and everything that is going on. Because there is, in case you haven't learned, there is a grand conspiracy. And even though this is just a small segment of that grand conspiracy, it is still something that you need to know to protect your heart, to protect your life, to protect your loved ones, to feed your kids correctly. Oh man, it is so heavy. It is so deep. Not as deep as this bunker. I'm digging still. I'm trying to get it deeper so that I can really, truly hide. I understand now why Art Bell went and hid in the desert in a bunker because he poked too many bears. He stirred up the grand conspiracy. Those dark and sinister forces, both seen and unseen, God bless Art Bell. God bless George Norrie. Help them to continue. God bless all the purveyors of truth. Blurry Creatures and other podcasts. The last podcast on the left. All of us that are trying to get the real information of the grand conspiracy to you all. I've got to go. God bless. Life is good. Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome to episode 53 of a Strange Thing podcast. I'm your host, Austin. And I'm Mike. And he's more of a host than I am. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty cool. But we're coming at you live from the Stranger Zone. And uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit about what you put in your face hole today. Yeah, a little bit. But um, really, we're going to do a little bit of deep dive into the strange pyramid that started this whole thing. Yep. Yeah, because I gave my whole story about how I ended up with heart disease and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we talked about Strange Pyramids, mm-hmm. that which is the food pyramid that came out in 1990. 
and that it was a little messed up. Is a little yeah. messed up. A little and, bit of a uh, maybe uh, not up to date research going on. That's that. right, right. So we promised that we were going to get into a little more specifics of that. But we're also going to talk about maybe some things that you should know that could possibly change your life and maybe help you not experience the things that I've had to experience over the last couple of years. Exactly. Yep. And we're sorry about the late release. We were so caught up in keeping ourselves healthy yeah. that we both got really sick. <laughs> we did. We tried to do an episode <laughs> while we were sick. That was pretty bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, and the kids be... showed up out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm going to play a little bit of that right now. Hey guys. Hey guys. Uh, Welcome to episode uh, 52.5 of a Strange Thing podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Austin. And uh, we're sick. We're sick, yeah. We're sick. We were going to try to record episode 53, but we can't get through it. We yeah. keep coughing and hacking and making terrible gross Hotty noises. noises and we're like, like that. Yeah, it's bad. But <laughs> speak of the devil. But we didn't want to leave you with nothing. My kids are here. Yes. So we just wanted to check Bennett, in really you quick. Come say hi. Say Bennett, hi. Do you want to come say hi? Say hi, everyone. Hi. We have decided to just throw this out there so you guys can see that we are still trying to do some content. And even when we tried uh, to record our, like, we had an interruption just now. Yeah, so. it's like it's like destiny has conspired against us. Bet. But, what? Bet? Bet. That's what my cousin says. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Bet. Bet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were going to continue our discussion on the, uh, on the Pyramid of Death, Strange Pyramid, and... Uh, Oh, yeah. There you go. It's on the back of his past P- beer can. Yeah, I got a PBR because I'm a hipster, and there's a pyramid and an eyeball. The and pyramid is everywhere, man. It's on our dollar bills. Dollar, dollar bill, well, Okay, let's get real. The reason that there is a pyramid is because it is a symbol of strength and fortitude and stability. A triangle is a very sound structure. Yeah. And so that's why it's there. And do you know why there's an eye on the top of the pyramid in our dollar bills? Because it, no. It's it's a symbol of being under the sight of God. Is that why? Or yeah. is it a Masonic No, thing? no. There's, it's actually, that's the real reason. It's basically that uh, the country will remain solid and stable as long as it's under God. Do you think that's the truth? Or do you think there's something nefarious? Well, the conspiracy around it is there was the, the Freemasons were involved in it, and that it's a conspiracy. But that's not... Uh, that's not the official jargon. I like the non-conspiracy theory the best. Oddly enough, our A Strange Thing logo also has the all-seeing eye above it. Yep. And that, for me, intentionally was that under God's guidance. Oh, now um, we lost guidance. listeners. Well, that's okay. Besides, we're sick and we're speaking through medicine-induced jargon. Yeah. So. Robitussin jargon. Yeah. And there's cute grandkids in the window of the studio. You want to say welcome to the Stranger Zone? Can you say that for here, us? Bennett. Right here. I don't want to say that. What do you want to say? Tell the people. This is our third generation of a Strange Thing podcasters. Say a Strange Thing. Thing. That's kind of good. Yeah. Can you say welcome? Welcome. Yeah. Don't have to eat it. Just t- say on it. 
Say, welcome to the Stranger Zone. Welcome to Stranger Zone. That's pretty good. That's yeah, good. I like it. Hey, do you think do you think it's coincidental that it seems like the more difficulties we have, it's always proportionate to the desire to do it? I think it kind of feels that way sometimes. Like, like there's a divine conspiracy. Like, Let's do this, and then we have a family death, or we have a sickness, or something. Something, yeah. Because mom had pneumonia. Yeah, yeah. She got to go. So on it's an like every time ride. we go to do something, it's like, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just life, and we just notice it more because of it, or. Sometimes I sometimes think, I feel like it has something more to do with nefariousness. The, the government is trying to keep us from spreading the truth about oh no the uh, nephilim and the uh, bigfoots and the uh, the conspiracies Cryptids. behind evil pyramids. See, I I call this that it is all evidence of the grand conspiracy. Oh, which is the one conspiracy to rule them all, and I believe that's I honestly I do believe there is a grand conspiracy. You know the uh, stick we'll song "Grand Illusion," kind of like that. That's probably really bad. I like, I like that song. It's a good song. It is. Yeah. Got anything profound and witty to leave our our disappointed listenership of fifty with? And other than just to say we are trying and we will get this episode out, and it's got a lot of really good content, a lot of good information. It'll make you want to change the way you eat, I think. Hopefully. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here's a little guy again. Push it. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to say, until next time? Till next time. Join us for some cold drinks. Cold drinks. And strange conversation. Until next time. Till next time. Um. Strange, Strange conversation. conversation. Let's say taters. Taters. Oh, peak the mic. Taters. Okay. Good work, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so that kind of explains a little bit. Also, I want to tell you that the little intro that we did at the very beginning, I didn't really dig a bunker. No. No. But... I find it very strange that we live in a very agricultural area here in uh, southern Idaho where we have to deal with very powerful lobbies, including the sugar lobby and the potato lobby. I've done sh- I've done tours of like only a couple factories in my life. Uh-huh. And I've done some pretty like industrial jobs. So yep. tours of factories isn't that weird. But two of the tours I've taken. Have two been, of the tours? Uh, <laughs> Two of the tours, yeah, have been sugar factories. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's no coincidence that when I brought my son by the sugar factory that I went to a tour in, mm-hmm. and he's like, what's that terrible smell? Oh, yeah. I said, that's <laughs> sugar. And that's he sugar. said, mm-hmm. I yeah. don't... Mm-hmm. Well, and he started crazy. gagging over the smell of the food that we continually... I yeah. just think it's almost like a biologically... Duh, you know. <laughs> well, if you think about it, the the sugar industry is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I w- was raised maybe a half a mile from a sugar factory. Yep. And they derive their sugar from sugar beets. And they, you know, it's a big process, but basically they take these these things, they grind them up in pulp, the the sugar beets, they grind them up, they extract the sugar, and then they throw the rest away. Yep. But the sugar industry is huge. And I think it, it was over, I, I can't remember the amount of sugar that each person 
eats per year, but it's huge. It's like 60 pounds of sugar. Yeah. Could you imagine? Just take 60 pounds and hold on to it. Yeah. And then think of 60 pounds of cavities and uh, it's just yeah. weird <laughs> well and it's a huge economic like industry if you think about it everything has sugar in it especially mm-hmm. processed foods so it's a huge industry or or, or high fructose corn syrup or yeah. some kind of weird yeah. garbage junkie yeah which is another thing sometimes they make it out of pure cane sugar like sugar cane um but it doesn't matter it's all this thing called glucose that can really screw up your body mm-hmm. but people powerful people don't want you to know that because there is a lot of industry and agriculture that depends on that. Likewise, in southern Idaho, we grow a lot of potatoes. In fact, Idaho is famous for potatoes. It says it on our lesson, but yeah. And it's basically a carb that turns to sugar when you eat it. And you could try to argue it that it's healthy. It's a starch, you know, not a carb. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It turns into sugar in your system. And so it's ironic that we're here talking about the food pyramid, the base of which is wheat, grains, potatoes, starches, stuff like that, corn. And it is supposed to be the largest portion of your food intake every day. Yeah, the bedrock. Like when you're watching Saturday morning cartoons and it says, they're great. A part of this nutritionally balanced breakfast. Yeah, or heart healthy like Cheerios, whatever it is. So those are supposed to be what you eat the most of. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, you know, 11 servings or whatever of pasta, rice, grains, that kind of stuff every day. Yeah. Seven to 11. They never differentiated like processed type of carbs from like whole grains. Yeah. Wonder bread to an everything bagel. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was basically anything goes as long as it's made of rice and flour and uh, sugar. Frosted (laughs) frosted flakes. Yeah. You put it in. And then like meat, especially like saturated fats are way up the pyramid. Very little of that, like maybe one to three servings a day. And so it's like very small portions, very little meat. The demon of everything. Yeah. Saturated fats. Fats were bad. Raise your cholesterols. Right. Don't eat eggs, especially the yolks. You could have egg whites. Yeah. Don't eat the yolks. Don't eat butter. Get margarine, which is like whipped, hydrogenated. Which whipped canola oil. Yeah, basically. Yeah, (laughs) with salt and some other things went in for good measure. That was supposed to be healthy. But I think to really understand why the pyramid came to be, you got to back up. You got to go back in time a little bit. Because now we're understanding that the food pyramid was totally wrong. And, you know, if you research this at all, you'll find out that they've since changed the pyramid a few times since 1990. The most recent is the uh, the uh, healthy plate. Yeah, the my plate or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. yeah, which is divided into four sections, like I think that are probably maybe, what, 25%, maybe 30%, and the other one, which are like 20%. On Let's the other find two. out. Hey, Google. What are the my plate ratios? My plate is divided into sections of approximately 30% grains, 30% vegetables, 20% fruits, and 20% protein, accompanied by a smaller circle representing dairy, such as a glass of low-fat, non-fat milk or a yogurt cup. So yeah, 30% grains, 30% vegetables, mm-hmm. 20% protein, protein, 20% fruit. Right. But it's, it's still better, totally it's messed It's better up. than that one. It's better than the original. It's better than mostly carbs, a little bit of vegetables, and a teensy-weensy amount of meat. Yeah. So to understand what happened with the 
origination of the 1990s original pyramid that came out, you got to go back in time. Mm-hmm. And you got to go back to this, this guy named Ansel Keys, mm-hmm. who was a physiologist. And he is basically the founder of this hypothesis called the diet heart hypothesis, mm-hmm. which basically boils down to saturated fats and cholesterol when ingested cause heart disease. And so the, a diet high in saturated fats and cholesterol is going to cause you to have plaque building up in your heart. That was the assumption. Did, did he find that out through plaque being made of? No, he actually did a study, and there are two famous ones. One is the called the six-country graph, and then there's the seven-countries study. Mm-hmm. And basically what he did is he went out and he used a process to basically look at information of the food that people ate in different countries and then compiled it and compared it to the number of people that had heart disease in that country. Mm. He made a very eloquent graph that shows this starts low to the left and then goes high to the right. And basically it was a graph that showed that in six countries, the countries that had the highest intake of meats and saturated fats and cholesterol had the highest number mm. of people that were suffering from heart disease. This is like a bell curve type of graph? Yeah, like yeah it was a bell curve graph. Yep. Okay. And uh, so basically it showed the, uh, the countries that had the highest intake of saturated fat. Um, the problem was that there were tons of other countries that were excluded from that graph because they didn't go along with that uh, upward trajectory that showed Mm. that saturated fats were bad. Maybe a little selective. Yeah, he cherry-picked. Okay. And, you know, it became something that later became a really big debate. But it didn't matter because the uh, National Institute of Health, the NIH, had a bunch of money that they were going to throw at heart disease because a lot of people were getting heart disease and they Mm. wanted to find out what was going wrong and why and how to stop it. And this was post- World War One. This is era. like 1950s. Yeah. This is 1950s. They're looking for answers why heart disease is going off the charts. Okay. And so he jumps in and he's getting a lot of money from the government to research this stuff because he's finding these connections. And the problem was that these connections were kind of forced. They were kind of fabricated because he mm. was basically picking the things that he believed to be true and only showing that data. He also did this famous study called the seven country studies where they looked at um, seven countries and they compiled a lot of data that seemed to show a correlation between the amount of fat that people ate, the amount of meat and saturated fats or high fatty foods and the incidence of heart disease. But there was a problem. These epidemiological studies, they only use the data that's accessible. And so it's relative data. So it's, it'd be kind of like me going out and seeing a bunch of uh, speeding tickets out on the freeway and associating that, you know what? Red cars get a lot more speeding tickets than, say, white cars or other colors of cars. Therefore, I could draw the assumption, and it's a legitimate assumption, that red paint causes speeding tickets. But that wouldn't be the case. Because it's not really the paint. It's that red is very visible and it attracts attention. If you're speeding and you're a cop, you're going to notice the red car probably first. 
it doesn't cause the speeding ticket, but it definitely appears that way if you use data. Do you think there's also a correlation? Maybe I'm off topic a little bit, but people who want to be flashy and drive fast might My be more prone to pick a red car. Right. Yeah. So people who have, it's kind of like saying somebody who has like a, a metabolic problem would be more prone to eating very satisfying foods or something like steaks and stuff. Well, yeah, you could totally say that. Or you could say it's it's because the countries, those seven countries, were very well-to-do countries. Mm. They could afford Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Meat, right? Those people yeah. were more prone to eat meat because it was accessible. Plus, they didn't really factor in other things like how much sugar did they eat, mm. how much wheat did they eat. Yeah, and there was no other consumption. They just looked at the amount of meat that the people purchased. There was nobody there going, hey, I saw you eat that meat. So I'm going to say, hey, you ate one pound of meat. Nobody was there. It was totally based on the amount of meat sales. Mm. So from that, they were able to pull this information that was associative. It wasn't absolute. It was associative. And those kind of epidemiological studies are great because they allow you to make hypothesis. Hypothesize. You can hypothesize things. <laughs> and you try to make correlations. And then that's where science kicks in. And you go out and you create studies to see if that's actually true. So countries <laughs> that have red cars have more speeding tickets. Or in countries that have Red cars and other cars, too. The red cars will get the highest percentage of tickets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But maybe that country has a trend that has more red cars. Mm -hmm. So more people drive red cars in that country. Plus, more people in that country have the money to buy a flashy car red that car. is red. Exactly. So that's the problem with these studies. <laughs> yeah. There are a I lot of these other... point. Yeah, you did. There's a lot of these associative kind of uh, side fringe kind of elements yeah. that could be totally factored in as a reason that would negate your that initial assumption. I think it makes a little sense, yeah. yeah. So anyway, you've got Ansel Keys in that time trying to prove that saturated fats cause... Heart disease. Mm -hmm. And he believes that 100%. His motivations were grand. And he wanted to make a difference. You know, I'm sure he, he wanted to to uh, help. Mm -hmm. Later, it proves that he's totally off base. But that's later, right? It, it kind of sounds like he's one of those cops in a movie where the cop has a theory. And he's just drilling and drilling his suspect until the suspect caves kind of like yeah just falls into the category and whether or not it's a real confession confession or you know submission mm -hmm. he he, he kind of just he's been grilling that theory and he gets sent up the river yep yeah, and maybe like, to the death chair or the hanging chamber and the guy's like no i don't smoke but he's been watching the dude so much and the and then finally the guy is so stressed out because he's been watching he finally smokes a cigarette then he takes that picture. And then the cop's <laughs> the, like, see, he does smoke. And he lied about smoking. And, yeah. And then a year later, he's like, I don't drink. 
Yeah. And then he's like, see, I saw him drinking, and we saw the drink and the smokes at this crime scene, and he's the suspect because he drinks and he smokes, and he kind of like yep. funnels everything yeah. down through this little tiny people. You're totally right on, but you're like totally rabbit trailing, because yes, that's true. It's exactly like that. <laughs> it's like it's like you get something, and you're so convinced, like those, those investigators. Yep. Tunnel vision. They are tunnel-vised, and they are like totally saying, this is it, and they believe it, and they're going to close the case. And that's what Ansel Keys did. And he had other detractors, they, people that were saying, no, wait, 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 you cherry picked and all this stuff. But people were, wanted to find the answer and they wanted to have something to point at mm-hmm. that they just went for it. Yeah. So anyway, that was the mindset that kind of came out. And then through a, a long series of, of studies and issues and things like this that came along, it soon became that saturated fats and cholesterol were equal to heart disease. And that's something that most of us listening to this podcast still hear. And it's something that we just have ingrained in us. It's like something we've been taught so much and so long that it's what we think. Saturated fats are bad. High cholesterol means heart disease. Mm -hmm. And that's just what we think. But it is absolutely not grounded in science. It is inequivocally not true. You can't laugh when I make a mistake because then I can't say it over again. You did it three times. I know. <laughs> three strikes, you're up. But yeah. So so even though now we know that that's not true, to, this, to the point that the American Heart Association has actually taken that out of their literature and buried the yeah, opposite like information on page 63. On. Yeah, it's in there. It says that there is no evidence that says that decreasing cholesterol will benefit you in any way as far as lowering your risk for heart mm. disease. In fact, it says that if you lower your cholesterol level too much, that you have a greater risk of other things. It's it's there. It's knowledge now, but people don't want to know, and there are a lot of factors why. I've been I've been hearing. So I'm I'm into like, obviously, look at me. I'm not into bodybuilding, but you know, <laughs> I lift I lift weights. I like to be in that realm. If you you're will. waiting to like cut. You got muscle underneath yeah, it. I'm and just, you're gonna I'm cut just, it away. I'm just like, in a really heavy, like, 15 year bulking phase. He's right gonna now. go, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just in a 15 year bulking phase. I look no, like Arnold. I'm, I look like Arnold in like a year. Yeah. All this. Um, <laughs> no, but nobody says you need to stop eating fats or cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want you to eat your sugars and your sweet potatoes and all that stuff. Yeah, bulk up. You want to bulk, 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 and they give you all these like dirty bulking hacks, mm-hmm. and you look at your videos on YouTube and stuff. But testosterone and all all these hormones and stuff are kind of like cholesterol based. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like your body, you got to have cholesterol. Has to have it. Every cell in your body has a has a basically a ring of cholesterol around it that exactly. it needs to live. And yeah. I'm not a like I said, I'm not a bodybuilder, obviously, but doing any kind of research on these bodybuilders they don't cut out you know when they they're going up it's like a couple months before a show or a, or a mm-hmm. whatever they call it and they're they're cutting they're getting lean they're getting like to like single digit body fats they're not going to like carbs i'm going to go eat <laughs> i'm going to eat a salad i'm going to eat i'm going to eat a little bit of rice i'm going to eat some rice and i'm going to eat some bread and some spaghetti they're like, I'm going to eat some egg whites. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat some peanut butter. I don't know. Like, they, they, yeah. 
You yeah. never hear the story well, about them eating nothing but vegetarian. It's true. And then they're like super jacked. And you never hear them eating like bread on the the months leading up to their like no. show where they have to be so vascular and so, jacked. So just think about this. Some practical practical thought here. So if you are a, a say you're a cattle baron and you, you're a rancher and you raise cattle, right? And you're going to take a few cows and you're going to get them ready to butcher so you have some really good meat that you can sell for the top dollar. So you want them to bulk up and you want them to get fat and you want them to be juicy mm-hmm. and well marbled in their muscle structure with fat. What do you do? What do you feed them? You take them outside. You make a nice grilled steak. You clean it on both sides. No, you, what do you, you feed them? Oh, yeah, you give them corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you give them corn, rolled oats with molasses. You load them up with sugar and carbs. Mm-hmm. That's what you do to fatten up a cow to give them lots of fat marble in their muscle structure. So, why do we think that in humans... That what you do if you want to lose weight and not get heart disease and fat and marbled, why do we think that we're going to eat up on a lot of wheat and corn and sugar? Because we're stupid. <laughs> and, and, you know, okay, I, I really like wheat. Yeah, it's and good. And corn. Oh, good And bread. sugar. Mm-hmm. But I only like wheat and corn and sugar in the forms of beer, whiskey, and there's nothing good that comes from sugar, but I think it's time for a drink break. But, you know, honestly, I can kind of understand it. This whole lipid hypothesis or heart diet hypothesis that Ansel Keys came up with. Because if you think about it, what is plaque in your arteries made of? It's made of cholesterol right. and calcium and stuff like that. So it stands to reason that, okay, if that's what's building up in my arteries, I want to remove as much of that from my blood mm-hmm. as possible, right? Yeah, I think I, I think I understand. Mm-hmm. It'd almost be like if you had let's let's just say okay for argument's sake, you had food poisoning. Food poisoning. You ate a bad burrito. Mm-hmm. So you go home. Bad carnitas. And uh, you clog the toilet. What? Okay. Yeah, you clog the toilet. It's like bla- it's blaming the toilet paper. For clogging the toilet instead of blaming you having food poisoning from something bad that you ate. Oh, so you're saying you used a lot of toilet paper. Yeah, you used a lot of toilet paper to to remedy an issue. (laughs) But the issue wasn't the toilet paper. It's not like, oh, I should really switch. I should really switch. (laughs) I should. I'm switching things up. I should really shits to, uh, to Charmin. Yeah. It's more like, man, I should, I should maybe not eat. A bean and cheese burrito at midnight. Yeah, yeah, I get Does what that makes sense. Yeah, in a way, yeah. it's kind of strangely parallel because I mean, you think about the buildup of plaque in your arteries. That oh yeah, well I'll get all the, the stuff that makes plaque out of my arteries, but that's not the problem. Imagine so, not using <laughs> toilet paper. Yeah, after food poisoning. Right. So I mean, Ansel Key's idea of stopping saturated fats and other kinds of fats in your in cholesterol building up in your or flowing through your blood. Makes sense from that. And he was trying to prove that his entire mm-hmm. life. But anyway, he was successful through the six country graph and the seven country studies. He was successful in convincing a lot of people. From that moment on, that became the holy grail 
of heart disease. Okay. Saturated fats, cholesterols, picked up steam. That is what became the cause of all that is bad in your coronary arteries. Mm-hmm. It is the very beginning, the genesis of heart disease. Toilet paper mm-hmm. is bad <laughs> but, for toilets. But what we know now is that it's wrong. Mm. The measures that we use now for cholesterol, HDL, LDL, triglycerides, are very poor indicators of whether a person will actually develop heart disease. Mm. And this has been proven over and over again. But if you go to a cardiologist, most cardiologists are still in that other frame of mind that those original LDL and HDL and triglyceride markers are the best indicator of heart disease, but they're not. Because you can decrease cholesterol, and if you study those people that have high or low amounts of cholesterol, there's almost no difference in the amount of heart disease. It's just not a good indicator of whether or not a person is going to develop heart disease. So, what you're saying is... What I'm saying is, yes, go for it. Whether you use Charmin or (laughs) whatever, I can't think of another... Toilet paper company. <laughs> the doctor is going to prescribe his special toilet paper. But the reality is it's your Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. That is causing the clog in your toilet I'll paper. I'll just say, yeah, because I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> connecting these dots. Because I'm just leaving streaks all the way across. Oh, leaving it. streaks. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think you know yeah, what I'm saying, though. Yeah, it's like I do. Blaming, I do. blaming the remedy. Instead of blaming the cause. Well, and it made sense, right? But it's wrong. And we know it's wrong, but because we're so entrenched in that saturated fats, cholesterol is bad, that that's what we keep saying. Even though now we know that's not the root cause. It might be a symptom. You might have lower incidence of HDL and higher LDL or triglycerides. Because of an underlying system that's mm. happening, an under what's under the hood, and it might manifest with a little bit of higher uh, cholesterol, but those are indicators of something else. They are not the causes. Right. So what do you think the causes are? The food pyramid was based on that hypothesis. It is the culmination of all of that dogma about the heart diet hypothesis that kept rolling through time until 1990 that was implemented in a visual chart that says, hey, eat this way and you will reduce your risk of heart disease because you're going to lower cholesterol and saturated fats in your diet and that's going to make you not get heart disease. But it's wrong. And the reason we know is because the real cause is something much, much more sinister. Insulin resistance inflammation, stress, and oxidation. Those are the root causes of heart disease. And it's scientific fact. Hmm. You just just mic dropped right there. I know. What are you going (laughs) to say to that? What are you going to say? I mean, I'm still thinking of toilet paper analogies. You know, we started this with the strange pyramid and I was very angry because I'm like, man, I ate the way that I was supposed to eat and look what happened to me. You were told you were supposed to eat. The whole heart disease issue is rather new to humanity and heart disease came along with these things called uh, opulence and success and lots of wealth Mm -hmm. and 
as soon as you were able to like sit down a lot and just enjoy the labors of other people and just ingest insane amounts of of pastries and Whatever yummy yums. Yep. yep. That's when heart disease started coming in. And you 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 complement that with this luxurious lifestyle where you stay out late. Mm-hmm. And when you're out late, you're drinking a bunch. Mm-hmm. And while you're drinking a bunch, you want a sweet snack and, and you crap, want some yeah. chips and salsa or nachos. Your your life and style then is rapidly declining. Well, and let's not forget, you're well, too hungover to like feed your kids in the morning, so you start stuffing boxes yeah. of cereal out yeah. with sugar <laughs> pops and stuff. You know, it's a it's a downhill slope. It, it kind of boils down, and it's almost a realization now. Mm-hmm. But our life is so easy. Yeah, And I know a lot of people are like, well, I have to get up at three and I have to go to work. And, and sit in front of a desk all day. Yeah, but when's the last time you got chased by a tiger? Mm-hmm. I think I think our bodies I think our bodies were made for a little <laughs> mountain lion eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. <laughs> I think I think our bodies were made for a lot more than what we do. Well, for sure. And yeah. I think if if at the time we were meant to eat rice and berries, mm-hmm. it's because we were getting chased by mm-hmm. mountain lions and not yeah. not chased by what? Maybe the meter maid or a, a virus, a parking lot, <laughs> computer or a, virus. Or a, yeah, computer <laughs> virus. You, yeah. you didn't get a text that says your bank mm-hmm. account has had some fraudulent activity. <laughs> Please download this app to yeah. show what happened. It is it is really crazy. And you know, it's funny because there are a lot of studies. I, I read well, okay, I didn't read, but I listened to a lot of books on Audible and I read a few things and I did a lot of research on Google and YouTube and, and a bunch of other things. And there were some really interesting studies, like the Inuit indigenous peoples or the Samoans, where all of a sudden they were eating like Western high carb diets and mm. they were getting really sick and like in the and Inuits Danish they were actually pastry. dying. In fact, the Samoans right now, I guess there's a really high percentage of people that are diabetic in Samoa because they've adopted a, a Western diet with all of these, hmm. you know, highly processed or high carb foods. Oh, I was going to say, this is a really terrifying statistic. So we got to get serious here. Mm. Um, mm. Take a guess. How many people in the United States right now have diabetes? Either Three. pre-diabetes or type 2 or type 1 diabetes right now. 375,000 percent. <laughs> what? I don't know. You said percentage after I said I mean, the number. I mean, what, what would you think? Half, a third, a quarter? I'd, I would say half. 62%. That's kind of close. Has some form of diabetes. Hmm. Now, some of them don't know it yet. Not yet. So what if you throw in this other little caveat and say, okay, how many people in the United States right now have either diabetes or some kind of insulin resistance. 60-something. 70, it's estimated that over 70% of the population would have insulin resistance issues. Some kind of issue. Hmm. Hmm. That's kind of messed up. Which is totally messed up. Is that just a U.S. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about U.S., but it's probably no different in Europe. Most um, now, some third world countries would be probably quite a bit way lower. less. Yeah, you know, like in some areas of Africa and stuff, there is almost zero diabetes. Hmm. And what's the difference? Well, our diet. What does our diet consist of? Well, look at the pyramid. What does the pyramid consist of? Well, eat lots of grains. Eat lots of carbs. And and nobody's connecting these dots. Well, that's not true. A lot of people are connecting these dots. But there are these power structures in play that are basically hiding this information from the public. Who are those power structures? Well, let's look at the big food lobbyists. So this is what happened with the original food pyramid. Originally, it came out and there were these suggestions and it was based on this, you know, the lipid or heart diet hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And it is that, you know, you have to eat a lot of grains and and a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruit, that kind of stuff. But it got changed in the because of lobbyists that came in and said, hey, this is going to hurt our industry if you say this about not having this kind of of refined flour or whatever. So let's change it. So the sugar lobby, the meat lobby, the dairy lobby, they all got involved and it totally changed the outlook of their original food pyramid that came out in 1990. And it's just a really sad story about how greed can influence government to put out bad information that hurts people Hmm. like you and me. And right now, if you're listening to this, chances are you have insulin resistance, which is the biggest influencer of whether or not you're going to develop heart disease or type 2 diabetes or full-on diabetes. And I'm just saying, you guys got to look into this stuff. You got to wait. You got to make up your own mind and stuff. But the more I get into it, the more information I find that's actually out there and is scientific and really solid studies, it's like, why don't more people know? And it's because we are not taught this. There are so many loopholes that people are pushing this stuff down our throats. And this disinformation campaign, because that's what it is, because we've known this stuff for 50 years. You know how you're talking about killing us. the campaign? Mm-hmm. And I think in the past we've talked about, oh, brother, where art thou? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're like, what are you talking about? But, um, oh, here we go again. So, (laughs) (laughs) George Clooney and the gang, you're eating way too many carbs. Sure, that's another good indicator for Alzheimer's and dementia, by the way. It's just funny that the only band or the only like thing that's advertised in (laughs) Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is is oh, (laughs) Papio Daniel Flower Hour, hour, yeah, and he's like, don't. Remember, to mix your flour, make your biscuits with cool, clear water mm. and pure papillodental flour. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny because you're talking about disinformation mm-hmm. and how we've been stuffed, mm-hmm. no pun intended, with like... Bad. Just bad diet. Mm-hmm. And then in that movie, there's these two gigantic dudes who are <laughs> like selling just flour. selling flour yeah. as their and the job. guys that are going out to you and want another a, gopher and they're a part of the government <laughs> and then the other guys yeah eating gophers he's like no i think a gopher would just arouse my appetite without batting her down or whatever yeah, yeah right <laughs> it's just funny yeah. to me that yeah there it is see they knew the writers that, yeah it's and crazy that, and that crazy. book or that movie mm-hmm. is a what is that homer the odyssey yeah 
Mm-hmm. Is that home? Yeah, it's a modern take on the yeah, um, Odyssey. Odyssey. And <laughs> I don't know. It just is funny to me. It's like since the beginning of time, we've been anti-flower. <laughs> but the government's been suppressing us. Well, okay. That's a bad you know, leap. Honestly, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. There's okay. a whole genetics thing here. Some people can eat carbs till the cows come home and <laughs> and it won't ever impact their insulin. It won't give them heart disease. No big deal. And then there's me. I had a Peter butter cookie today and I feel like my hands <laughs> can't close all the way. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that what we eat as flour and bread now is way different than it was, you know, 200 Probably. years ago yeah. in Europe. You know, when you, you, they would prepare things differently. It wasn't so processed. You're hopping on my hypothesis. Your hypothesis. Your of why bread hypothesis. was important in historical culture. Why? And I think that's because I, I, I'm assuming, I'm not a historian, but you make bread back in the day, they didn't have a machine. They used like a rock and another rock and they just like mashed up wheat. And then they mm-hmm. got together, probably all the ladies and, you know, the family got together and they like mixed the bread and kneaded it, the dough together. Well, you think about well, how did they get that wheat to begin with? They, they picked had to go pick by it. Hand. Yeah, go out and harvest it. Same yeah. with wine. Uh-huh. Like they, they these press things, it. They press it with their feet. Or olive and, oil. And or they kneaded whatever, it yeah. with their, their hands and they were... They were manipulating. I think at the time, like when bread was important, mm-hmm. I think it's lost its importance. But I think when it was like a prominent part of food and society is when it was almost like a probiotic. Yeah. Maybe. Like we're our whole family, our whole tribe is mixing our goop to- <laughs> together. <laughs> and it's, so. it's your sweat. It's what's ever under your fingernails. We're all mixing it together because they didn't have disinfectant and this bleach is, this is called the acibo dietary hypothesis yes <laughs> i think i think that's a thing though i you know for we sure. used to eat yeah, rocks sure. like uh isn't it an egyptian yeah. thing where all their teeth were like ground down mm. because they they ate bread that was ground by rocks and the rocks had like sand or the bread had sand in it and Maybe. it like filed their teeth down i haven't heard that i but, think okay. i think we had more yeah more substantially <laughs> Well, I do know that one guy I listened to um, on YouTube who was talking about this very subject and how he was diagnosed with coronary artery disease, and he was trying to find a way to reverse that, and he thinks he did. But anyway, that's not the story here. The story that he had was he went keto and through various vitamins and different things and the oils he would allow himself to eat that he no longer needed to brush his teeth. And that he hadn't brushed his teeth Yikes. for over 10 years. I don't know if I trust that And guy. when he went to the dentist, the dentist is like, you know what? We need you to be the poster child for how to take, Not care, take of care of your teeth. Because, you know, we need you to tell people how you floss regularly and how many times you brush. And he goes, I haven't brushed my teeth for 10 years. That's crazy. And it's because there's nothing that is inflammatory in what he eats that would cause cavities, like you know, like sugars. That, you know, another interesting thing, uh, one of the guys I listen to is this guy, Dr. Ken D. Barry, and he's on YouTube. I love this guy because he's so simple. He's an MD. He's got lots of credentials. He also was suddenly uh, faced with the thought that he might be coming very quickly into having type 2 diabetes. 
And in his research, he changed the way he eats. He's totally a low carb guy. He eats, I think, vegetables and fruits Mm -hmm. and stuff. But he talked about how he changed his diet and all of the good things that happened to him. And so that inspired me to be brave enough to like say, okay, I'm going to try that. I'm going to go low carb keto. And it's worked for me. It's changed my cholesterol levels. It's changed a lot of stuff. My allergies are almost non-existent anymore. I used to be lactose intolerant. I'm mm-hmm. not anymore. I don't know why. It just it just happens. Something changed. Yeah. You hear a lot of people like that, especially, um, I think he was on Joe Rogan is where I heard of him. But uh, Mark, Mark Sesson, I think he was like a, like a long distance runner and he had inflammation or something. And he just kind of was doing research and mm-hmm. discovered that when he ate less carbs, he felt better. And now he's like mm-hmm. a total ketogenic advocate because, mm-hmm. and he's like 50 something and like six pack. He plays Frisbee golf. Yeah, I've seen frisbee. pictures. Yeah, I think he you, looks good. You send me his stuff like, dad, you need to lift weights. Yeah, well, that's mostly uh Rob Good Goodwin. Oh, a different guy. Ketogenic bodybuilding. He's got a podcast, but he's a he's like a fifty-something-year-old b- bodybuilder, and he looks like freaking Arnold. He looks really good. Mm-hmm. He's got vascular veins and big muscles, and he's really strong. Mm-hmm. And he's a, an old dude, you yeah. know. And he's living yeah. a good life, and he's just. He was a long distance runner and stuff. He cut out all of the carbs because of the inflammation and it went down. Well, I do have one argument for you though. Okay. What's your argument? He had good teeth. Your, your guy you were just talking about. Yeah. So every time I eat a steak, get stuck everywhere. I get get steak stuck in my teeth. He didn't say he doesn't like, he says he didn't floss or use toothpicks to dig out like meat and stuff like that. He just, he didn't need to brush his teeth Mm. And maintain them from all of the high sugar stuff that basically is like acid on your teeth and eats your enamel yeah. away. Um, but anyway, that's a, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good argument. But I was just going to say, yeah. my gums get swollen well, if I don't floss after eating a yeah, steak. I'm the same way. Yeah, it gets stuck down in there. Yeah, yeah it's too stark for my big muscles and my gums to pull my them big out. gaps, my crooked teeth gaps. My crooked Idaho teeth. <laughs> yeah. From eating too many potatoes. Too many potatoes. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, let's get us back on track here right. because we're going to end up with like three hours of no content and everybody will be bored and we will lose one of our 40 remaining listeners. Yeah, those two girls at the uh, <laughs> the Jacksons today. Oh, Sup, yeah. girls. Yeah, they like the idea of you as a podcaster. Yeah. They'd never heard and, of us before, but yeah, hey, exactly. I'm a podcaster. I'm, I mean, podcaster. So anyway, anyway I want to break this down Arnold. into a nutshell. As you can probably tell, we are talking about that the food pyramid is deadly because it's upside down. It's wrong. Um, that the real cause of diabetes, which... Chances are, if you were to to uh, go by the percentages, most of everybody who's listening to this right now either has, will have, or has had um, some type of diabetes. And it's not going to get better. And that is one of the huge risks for coronary artery diseases, which is what I had. Because I had no idea I had diabetes. I had no yep. idea I had clogged arteries. Yours came back to back to back. So yeah. you had mm-hmm. diabetes. A uh-huh. couple, five months later, yeah. 
um, COVID yeah. thing took off. It had, and then found I had heart disease. Right yeah. after that, you had a heart attack. Well, I don't know if I had a heart attack. I, I don't remember the heart attack. I do remember um, having some pain. But what I what I found out like months after that was that I had severe blockage in my coronary arteries. Mm-hmm. So I had these plaque buildups in there. And a lot of people can relate to that. And they put in stents, which is kind of the what they do now when you yep. they find that. But, you know, I'm not that old. And so I was really shocked because I wasn't really out of shape. And you can listen to our previous episode and get the whole story. But that was me. That's what sent us on this journey of kind of researching this weird food pyramid that kind of turned into the culprit, which it was, it was the visual representation of a mindset that saturated fats are bad and that carbs are good. And if we want to stress mm-hmm. anything in this podcast, it is that that is wrong Carbs are not good, and saturated fats and fats that you eat in your diet are not bad. Now, there are bad fats, hydrogenized and polysaturated fats. Those things are not good. Yeah, vegetable oil. Get vegetable oil out of your diet if you have it. And if you don't believe me, do take the time to do some research. I'm gonna I'm gonna list some of the books and that I've I've read or listened to. So if you could give your listeners three things to to do as homework, what would they be? That I think would help them? Yeah. Cut carbs. First of all, cut carbs as many as you can. And not a lot of things will say, okay, we got a lot of starch. That's good. Like potatoes. Starch. There's this enzyme in your mouth. As soon as you eat starch, it turns to sugar before you even swallow Mm -hmm. it. And so it is basically glucose in your system. It doesn't matter if it's white flour, ground brown flour, um, white bread, wheat bread, whole wheat bread, Nutri-Grain whole wheat nut bread. I mean, you name it. If it's got wheat in it, it's going to have a lot of carbs. Um, Also, things like bananas, high fructose fruits. Just get them out. Step one, get rid of carbs carbs step yeah. two step two would be increase intake of healthy fats you know olive oil avocado um leaner meat cuts if you're afraid of saturated salmon fat, salmon a salmon is really good it's got a lot of omega-3s um but anyway yeah you want to get a, as much of the carbs out of your diet good healthy fats into your diet stay away from vegetable oils animal products are the best um, don't be afraid of saturated fats like red meat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they say, oh, don't eat red meat. Oh, that's blah, blah, blah. And don't be afraid of things like processed meats with high nitrates. And they say nitrates are so bad, like bacon or mm. or all of those, like uh, salami. Mm. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm a yeah. charcuterie slut. Nitrates are bad, <laughs> but your body produces, your mouth produces more nitrates in one night than you'll eat in your nitrates of hot dogs and processed meats in an entire week right so so don't be afraid of nitrates and don't be afraid of salt and the third thing is unless you have a hard way let me say on podcast this, yeah. on whatever your listening platform let, is. let me say one more thing on oh. on the salts because right. i said that if you have heart disease and your heart is failing you don't want to retain water if you eat too much salt you will retain fluids that's not good um so there are caveats here but otherwise don't worry about salt if you don't have any of those issues Salt to taste. Don't, you know, over salt, but salt to where you like it and you're okay. Um, One of the guys I listen to, which I've talked about, is Dr. Ken Berry. 
Ken D. Berry. If you go to YouTube, he's on there, Dr. Ken D. Berry. Just look him up. He's got tons of really good information with a lot of studies behind it. It's not just him pulling stuff out of his butt. Yeah, it's, it's real good information. Check him out. Another guy, if you want to know about the connection of cholesterol, heart disease, and those kind of things, another guy I would highly recommend is a guy named Ivor Cummins, otherwise known as the Fat Emperor. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm. He's got a podcast called the Fat the, f- 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 the Fat Emperor, and he talks about all of these issues. He is fantastic. Um, every week they talk about different things. He also talks a lot about COVID-19 and vaccinations, mm-hmm. which depending on where you land on that <clears throat> issue, you may or may not like him. Let me just say that he thinks that our leaning on COVID vaccines was a bunch of BS. Yeah. Um, so you'll know where he stands on that. But he is an engineer. So he looks at it very scientifically, cause and effect. It's not about how you feel or what kind of category you give it. It's about hard data. Yeah. And he talks a lot about this whole mechanism of, of heart disease. And it's fascinating. It's uh, Evor Cummins the fat emperor check him out like i v o r c u m m i n s yep ivor cummins yep oh, yeah. fat emperor <clears throat> yep cool or and uh, is it like <clears throat> fat with an f or p h a t fat no it's f a t okay yep. cool the fat emperor the two people Podcast. i like listening to is mark sisson he's the old dude who plays like a ultimate frisbee with college students yeah yeah and paddle boards and does like Beach bicycle riding, and then um, and he's in his fifties. Yeah, he's an older fella. And then uh, Rob Goodwin, he's the ketogenic bodybuilding podcast guy, mm. and he's in phenomenal. I mean, he's a bodybuilder. Yeah, he, you showed me a picture. He he's is, a he's scary. Freaking joke, and he takes it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a bodybuilder. Yep. So he's not doing cheat days or fasting, right? But as far as health goes, I mean, he's probably a genetic freak, mm-hmm. but he's also in really good shape and he's a good way to show how you can be healthy on a ketogenic diet and mm-hmm. he's looking pretty damn good for pretty an old fella. Good. yeah well some of the books that i read and i'll just list them here i'll put them on our website mm-hmm. so you can check them out with links um that really helped me understand this whole process when we first started you know contemplating this whole pyramid and that it was really screwed up and that it could be killing people was this book by um, Denise Minger. J.R. Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> Denise Minger wrote a book. This is fantastic because it, it's called death by food pyramid. Mm-hmm. How shoddy science, sketchy politics and shady special interests have ruined our health. Yeah. Not a very uh, biased no. title and, there. Well, and it's very in-depth. <laughs> she goes through the whole history and origination of the food pyramid. And she talks about all the corruption that was in there. And she talks a little bit about all of the health implications of that. And it's really a kind of, I wouldn't say it's a great read, but she's very flamboyant in the way she writes. She's kind of fun. And, Bubbly. Uh, yeah. She has a lot of really good metaphors and analogies. It makes it very readable, even though the content could be kind of boring. Um, But there's a lot of good information about the food pyramid and why it is totally screwed up. Sounds like 
don't eat carbs or you'll die. <laughs> it, it wasn't like that. That's oh. what I was expecting. But it was more about, it was very sympathetic about people like Ansel Keys, the guy who is the originator of this whole, mm. you know, push. Mm. Um, he, she doesn't demonize him like a lot of writers do, but she just, you know, throws out the truth. And she does a lot of research. So that's why it's really good if you're into that kind of stuff. She's a great one. She'll talk about the pyramid and she'll talk also about her diet, which isn't, uh, isn't, I don't think it's fully like keto, but it's pretty close. She is basically gone the low carb route. And there is a difference between low carb and keto. Um, keto is to get your body into ketosis, ketosis, right? And low carb is just trying to cut out as many carbs as you can. Right. And for some people that works great. That's all you need. Okay, so another one that uh, you should check out if you're interested in this stuff is Harry Potter and the... (laughs) No, no, no. The Great Cholesterol Myth. Harry Potter and the Great Mm -hmm. Cholesterol Myth. And I I, uh, listened to the revised and expanded edition, but it's it's, uh, the Great Cholesterol Myth, Why Lowering Your Cholesterol Won't Prevent Heart Disease, and the Statin-Free Plan That Will. And one by thing, Jr. It's by JK by Rowling. two guys, uh, Johnny Bowden, who's a PhD, and then Stephen T. Sinatra, who's a medical doctor, and then there's Michael R. Edis, who's an MD. But anyway, a lot of brainy people. They wrote this book because they saw that people were unfairly demonizing saturated fats and going towards all of these carbs, and that was actually the worst thing that you could actually do if you had heart issues. Hmm. So anyway, it's a great, it's a great read. Um, I really enjoyed this one. They got into the physiology. They w- went into a lot of the studies, why things were all messed up. They talked about Ansel Keys, his beginnings. They tried to treat him with kit gloves, which is good. Um, but at the same time, they basically said he was totally wrong. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that book, I'll put a link on our website for that. That one, was probably one of the best ones for me as far as the guts of it because it was really informative. Another one that uh, I read, which is uh, by a doctor named Philip Ovadia, I think that's how you pronounce it. He wrote a book called Stay Off My Operating Table, A Heart Surgeon's Metabolic Health Guide to Lose Weight, Prevent Disease, and Feel Your Best Every Day. Mm. And this guy, he was morbidly obese. And he was on his way to having severe heart disease and all kinds of issues. And then he changed his diet and he shares a secret, which is basically not a secret by now. For most of you who are listening, it is to go low carb and get as many of those carbs that cause inflammation, oxidation out of your life. You, you know, a book <clears throat> really struck a chord with me during this thing. What? It's a book called Nosferatu, N-O-S-4-A-2, like a license plate. Nosferatu. It's by by Joe Hill. Uh I think that's Stephen King's son. Um, (laughs) It's a story about how um, just being selfish and searching things out for yourself and not paying attention to the consequences of your actions can come back and bite you in the butt. So yeah, there you go. Okay, so if one, you want to chase your your dreams and your wishes to Christmas land, you're going to lose your family and your loved ones and your humanity hmm. as you do it. So. so this is like a story. It's a really good book. Oh, okay. It's like a like a fantasy sci fi book. 
Yeah, I can get into decal if you want. <laughs> well, I want to say one more book because this one is the one that kind of started me off. I found this guy on uh, YouTube when I was trying to figure out what to do about my diabetes. And I didn't want to keep taking, you know, my diabetes medication, metformin, because it made me sick. And I, and the doctor told me when I found out I had type 2 diabetes is that, okay, you're going to take metformin, and then in a few months we're going to have to crank it up. And then in a year or two we'll probably have to crank it up again. And eventually you'll end up on insulin. And in debt. Yeah. And, well, not even debt, but, but basically you're just compounding the insulin resistance problem that you already have okay. so you're treating symptoms rather than the root cause you're you're just unplugging mm-hmm. the toilet with a plunger instead <laughs> of using better toilet paper exactly eating, not talk about or having a big enough toilet hole anyway but anyway toilet hole <laughs> which end of the process is that on i don't know but quit derailing me sorry so basically this guy was the first one I heard that said you can you can get off of your metformin in your diabetes medication, and I'm like, what? You can? Because I hadn't heard that before. And they talked about a keto diet because he was diagnosed with pre-diabetes, and he's like, what in the world? I run, I'm active, I don't eat horrible. What's wrong? And he started doing research, and so he wrote a book called Lies My Doctor Told Me. Medical myths that can harm your health. Hmm. And it's basically an indictment against the way that most medical doctors practice medicine. And it's not because they're bad. It's because they are totally stressed out, stretched to the max, and they don't have a lot of time to get into the latest research. So they parrot the educations that they were taught. And Mm -hmm. that's what they know. And they haven't had a chance to keep up or question a lot of the stuff that they were taught. It's kind of like the you 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 uh, perform the way you practice, or right? Yeah, it's like that. And so, what I appreciated about this book, he spends a lot of time talking about why doctors are hesitant, and a lot of them can't make the jump to a new way of thinking. And he talks about his journey as a doctor, and then he talks about he has. I mean, if you go to YouTube, he has hundreds of videos about everything you can imagine from keto to carnivore, well, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's it's really a fun place to go and just hang out and listen to a lot of stuff and watch a lot of stuff. What was the the doc the guy's name? His name is Dr. Ken Berry. Ken Berry. Yeah, K-E-N-D-E-R-R-Y. he's the Ken D Berry. Yeah, he his okay. uh, YouTube channel is Ken D Berry. Um and if you look him up, he'll come up right away. He's got 100 or so videos and they're really good so check him out um i'll put all of these links on our website so if you want to go there and and find out more information and i just want to say something i know i've been dominating this conversation because it's probably a little more dramatic urgent for me (laughs) and yeah impactful and more yeah um if 70 percent of the people that are listening out there that's seven people. That's a lot. That is a lot. If you have the possibility of having a huge medical underlying condition that you don't know about yet, don't you want to know? Don't you want to find out? Check out a few of these things. You could be on a trajectory for something horrible that could take your life or leave you maimed. Um, I'm lucky or blessed that we found out what we found out when we did. 
And yeah, I don't know. This could this could still get me. I mean, it's 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 not a guarantee because my disease is fairly advanced when we caught it. But if you hear this, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Try to find out good information and change the lifestyle that you have if you need to to what will best benefit you for a long and healthy and productive life. Mm-hmm. That's my whole reason for doing this series. I mean, it started out as an exorcism for my frustration and anger because of what happened to me. But if I can just help one person, if one person out there listens to this and says, you know what, I want to check into this a little bit because there's a 70% chance that I might be pre-diabetic or have insulin resistance. And if I can just simply change my diet a little bit and that takes that out of the picture because you have knowledge, that's what I want for you. And that's the reason for this Strange Thing podcast, because it is kind of strange for me. It is a strange one. Mm-hmm. But it's something that a lot of people deal with, like more so than uh, alien abductions yeah. or Bigfoots. And yeah. sometimes that's what makes life more strange, is that everybody's going through this thing, and they try to do their best, and they're trying to do all mm-hmm. these things, but a lot, maybe a lot of people are misinformed. or Yeah. Maybe a lot of people are out there to some stand on some soapbox on a podcast well, and yeah. and project what they think out into the world. But but it's what and, and this is so bad because it's what you hear every day over and over. Cut fat, you know. Eat healthy. That means eat my cereal. Eat my cereal. You know, or whatever it is. It's like yeah, do this. Eat more shredded wheat. We could go on and on. Because, I mean, the honest truth is, is that we've all heard it. I think people are going to be in shell shock on this episode. I think most people, almost 90%, are going to go, wait, you mean you're telling me to eat bacon, saturated fats, all of these things, that those all of a sudden now are good and don't eat the things that I thought were good, which are all these like oats and margarine grains healthy grains and all this stuff and it's supposed to be good and what eat butter now and don't eat margarine Mm -hmm. you know it's weird and it is it i'm still i still feel guilty if i eat bacon i'm like oh man this is gonna be too much this is gonna give me a heart attack but no it's like it's like this actually is the best for me this versus a bowl of oatmeal which is better a half a pound of bacon or a bowl of oatmeal. To go to bacon and say, this is better for me and my heart than the bowl of oatmeal is a really hard thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And I still feel guilty about it, but it, it's been in grain. <laughs> in us, exactly. In yeah. Well, anyway, I think we've gone enough here. I mean, yeah. you get the idea. Food pyramids messed up. Don't trust it. The derivatives are still messed up. Don't trust it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of, of people influencing decisions on what is recommended for you in the government um, guidelines. So don't trust that because it's influenced by big lobby and big money. One thing I think is an important thing that people don't usually do because they either are lazy or they're afraid is my age. I'm not even 30 yet. I'm coming up to 30. You're close. close. Yeah, I'm, you're close. I'm not quite 30, and hopefully I got a good long life in front of me. Experiment with your diet. 
yeah. like just do a, an elimination diet for like a mm-hmm. week or something. Mm-hmm. Cut out dairy, cut out carbs, and just live on fish. Oh, fish doesn't make me sick. Let's add red meat. Red meat doesn't make me mm-hmm. sick. Let's add some dairy. Mm-hmm. Oh, dairy, I keep getting this rash. Let's cut out dairy. We'll add goat cheese. Oh, goat cheese is fine. Let's mm-hmm. move to uh, some pasta. Pasta makes my knuckles feel funny. I can't close my fist all the way. That's it. That's how it is for me. My hands feel swollen. No, it's not what you can. It's, you can do. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can do an elimination diet. It's like a month of your life. It's a, a little a short period of your of your long life. Well, and that's that the scientific might make method. Every single day better. Yeah, exactly. It's Just the do scientific method. Simple. You know, try something. If it doesn't work, adjust. Um, and don't just exist, especially if there are these kind of consequences that could happen down the down the line. I mean, I mean, you can you can do a few tests. You could get your glucose level checked. You can do your A one C, but it's really hard to find out if you're insulin resistant. That's an underlying thing. It's a it's a right. lot more complicated and not as readily available test if you're insulin resistant. But if you have tummy and body fat hanging off you. Uh, everything I've read is that you're probably insulin resistant mm. because that's where it manifests. And there's other issues with people, you know, like eating disorders. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's not as easy as just cutting out carbs from your diet. No. You got to be active. You got to do a lot of things and you got to be healthy. You have to have yeah. good hormones. But taking a good step isn't going to hurt you. And by isolating your diet and finding the things that work best for you is not going to hurt you. Well, you need a reason to start. That's like we yeah. talked about Ivor Cummings, the fat emperor. Mm-hmm. He thought he was in really good health. He went in and he got something called a CAC scan, which is a coronary artery calcium mm-hmm. scan. And he thought he was going to come back. Oh, yeah, you're, you're great. Yeah, you look great, buddy. But he had, he had the start of these calcium deposits in his coronary arteries and that's what made him freak out and started doing the investigation. How do I stop this? What's going on? Because I'm eating the way I'm supposed to eat. You know, he was an engineer mm-hmm. and he did it very logically and mm, yeah. methodically. Very, yeah. And scientifically. And that's what led him to what made him change his diet. Hmm. You don't have to do that much, but you need to find out what you can find out and then make changes as you can. Yep. And, and unless you're vegan, for the most part, a paleo, keto, or carnivore diet is pretty bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just steaks and bacon and asparagus and well, and there probably so are a lot good. of vegans out there or people who try to not eat a lot of meat. There's there's like some there's a stigma with eating meat animals, and you know a lot of vegans they struggle with that. The lady who wrote the book about um, the death by food pyramid, she was a vegan. So if you want to hear her story, it's very interesting. She almost lost all of her teeth because she was so hardcore vegan that she Yikes. she didn't pay attention to her body's needs. And uh, that's what turned her around is that she had a terrible, uh, her teeth were falling out. Basically, the doctor's like, what have you done? Your body has not, is not you know, working right. If your teeth are this bad, something's wrong. Yeah. She had never had a a cavity and she had like a mouthful of cavities, like 20 some cavities. And yeah, it was horrible because of her diet. Anyway. Yeah. We can keep going on this. We don't need to, you know, our story. 
We hope the best for you. We I want do, you to I, have a very long, healthy, and prosperous life. Yep. I yep. do. I yep. do. I really do. I try to act tough and say I don't, but I care about my three listeners. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do the deed, dude. All right, dude. I'm going to do the deed. So join us next time for hopefully a more interesting conversation and some cool drinks. <laughs> Tasers. <Tatum. Tatum. laughs>